Good afternoon, gangsters and ballers. Gav Mack and Alex Osborne here with uh, the review of the week 32 in the Premier League. Alex, dude, how are you getting on, pal? Very well, thank you very much. How are you? I'm Madrid, making dreams work, you know what it's like. Um, and also Arsenal won yesterday, so that means we're, we're going to win the league next year, right? Well, three wins on the bounce. Um, we we were pretty we were in pretty decent form. If you look at if if you look at the whole of this year as a whole, rather than just since lockdown, then we've actually we've actually been all right this year. And I think um, it looked a bit doom and gloom, and everyone was piling in, weren't they? When uh, when uh, we'd lost those couple of games, and you had the uh, you had the announcement of the David Luiz contract, uh, Cedric Suarez contract, and Pablo Mari signing permanently, and people going, "What the hell is going on at Arsenal?" But again, I you know, I feel like we're in a, I feel like we're in a fairly decent position. And I will say this: we, as I think I've mentioned a couple of times on the chats, right? We'll get into it when we'll, 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 we'll get into it now. I actually think with the personnel that we have available to us. Three four three is the best way to go. It gets it gets the best out of our forwards, and it also allows Tierney and Saka to be sort of like in their sort of like really good positions for them, and they look really dangerous and threatening down that left hand side. Really enjoying the fact that Saka's on a new contract, buzzing yep. off that. Really, um, I thought it was going to be one of those typical cases of Arsenal waiting for the player to get in their last year of their contract, and then next thing you know, off they off they pop. Um, two goals from from Aubameyang as well because he's been had, had a bit of a drought, hasn't he? He's now got his fiftieth and fifty first now Premier League goal for Arsenal. Um, do you reckon Arsenal will keep hold of him? Um. I, I don't know the answer to any, that one. Is, is, is there any I point of keeping hold of him? Pardon? Is there any point of keeping hold of him? It all depends on if a big con. The thing is, right, because he's going, is he is he also going into his last year of his contract? Yeah, next year. If, when the season, when the next season starts, isn't he? That, I yeah. think it's his last season, right? So I don't think because Albamyang's. He seems to be a very naturally fit kind of player, doesn't he? He doesn't miss many games at all through mm. injury. I think the only the only games he's missed for Arsenal in the league has actually been through suspension, um, or if he's been if he's been rested. Um, so I I don't think that he will have a physical decline, like you know when you can get some players who are who are based on their uh, who who have their game based on pace, uh, quickness when they get to a certain age, that just kind of falls off a cliff, doesn't it? And they kind of decline. But Aubameyang could be kind of like Ronaldo in the sense that Ronaldo, Ronaldo now is starting, you can start to see it in his physicality, it's starting to go down uh, now when he's in a perfect league for him. But I think Aubameyang still probably has two or three years left at the kind of level that he is at now because of, of the sort of athlete that he is. Might, he yeah. may not be. He might. He might lose like a smidgen of pace, but it's not going to be something that really affects him because he's 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 like a quick fox in a box, isn't he? He's he's not he's not somebody who's going to take on five players and smack it in from the top, uh, smack it into the top corner from uh, twenty five yards. He's not that type of striker. He's a striker who's in and around the eighteen yard box. He's deadly, um, mm. and his movement and his and his positioning 
gets him his goals, which is what happened yesterday, certainly with the second one. Uh, and then obviously the first one, um, closing down Tim Krul. And people were going, oh, Arsenal relying on keeper errors to make the mistakes. But the thing you should look at is they're actually m- hounding down the keeper to make those mistakes. And it's obviously clear that Arteta wants them to press high, hurry up the pitch as far as possible. And it's it's borne fruit in the last couple of games, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. No, I agree. Um, someone who really, really wound me up yesterday was West Ham. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for them getting the result, I say, because it helps it helps their, their their chances of staying up. But to be honest, I want West Ham to go down. It's not um it's not a secret that I want West Ham to go down either. <laughs> and they and they and they ruined my acker. Absolutely ruined my acker. Um that that was money in the bank and um and they screwed it up. So I'm not very happy with West Ham. Uh three two they beat Chelsea. Bet responsibly. Bet responsibly, kids, yeah. Um, 3-2 they won yesterday. Um, yep. Goals from Suchek, uh, Antonio Yarmolenko right at the end. Um, William scored a brace, one from the spot and, um, and a free kick. I feel sorry for West Ham in a way because their first goal was ruled out for offside. And, you know, I've just oh. been watching a little bit of... Um, of Dermot O'Leary. I always want to call him Dermot O'Leary. Dermot Gallagher on, on Sky Sports. And um, I think he's in agreement with every single person on the planet that, excuse my French, but it's a bullshit call that that goal, that goal was was ruled out for offside. But Again, the laws of the game state yes. that, that is exactly what they are. Referees don't like it. it. The players don't like it. The fans don't like it. The comms don't like it. No one likes that rule, but it's not, not, that not rule, uh, that law, but it is offside that. Yeah, and this is where people will go, oh, VAR is ruining game. But this is not a VAR issue. No, it's got nothing to do with VAR. VAR, The guys who are running VAR are only applying the laws of the game to that circumstance. And as I say, the laws of the game, the words say that he, is it a part of your body that can be considered a goal scoring, uh, that you can be used to score a goal? If it is offside, it is offside. And they've applied the letter of the law. And wrongly or rightly, the goal has been disallowed. Yet I think it's absolutely rubbish. Which it means introduction of VAR. It means that the law needs to be reworded. It needs to be. It needs yeah. It needs to be sorted out for situations such as that. Because as we all know, he was on the floor. He's not trying to gain an advantage. He's just had a. He's from the previous action. He's gone in for a header or a ball, and he's fallen on the floor. And he's not there to try and gain an advantage at all whatsoever. And that that is what the offside law is, isn't it? It's to stop teams gaining an advantage, an unfair mm-hmm. advantage. Yeah. Um, I, I, but like, Suchek did they cut for it in the end, which I'm happy about. But like, yeah, going back to, to that offside decision, it, I don't feel like he's in the eye line. I know, he's, he's, I know he's on the floor. Yeah. was straight up pointing yeah. at him. I, well, when when Antonio was on the floor, I don't think that I've, I'm not happy about it. What I will say though is Chelsea should really be looking at themselves because it was two corners in a row that they conceded. Well, obviously, one didn't count, but they could, they conceded two goals on back to back corners, didn't they? And it was pretty much similar situations: a delivery into the sort of like the far post area. Um, 
and they weren't able to deal with either of them. So Chelsea didn't didn't heed the warning from the first one, and they conceded, and the goal stood for the second one. Um, so they have to kind of look at themselves there, and I'm sure they'll be uh, analysing what went wrong uh, in that situation. But yeah, it was it, it that 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 was that was something that Chelsea need to figure out there. I think Chelsea went into that game with too much arrogance. Yeah, yeah. They they walked into that and been like, "Well, yeah, you know, it's only West Ham. You know, they're bottom of the league. Chelsea smashed them. Um, sorry, Spurs smashed them the other day. I know the scoreline doesn't suggest it, but Spurs were all over West Ham in that last game. It's like, well, we're better than Spurs, so we need to just go out there and do half the job, and we'll get three points. On the flip side. Um, West Ham, we were speaking about the teams down in the relegation zone needing to pick up victories where they could. And this is one of those victories. This is a bonus victory. It's for a West bonus Ham win. Now, yeah, it? 100%. Yeah, because they're, they're not expecting to beat anyone around the top end of the table. Um, what would you What did you think of the penalty? Uh, I've got to try and remember now. Um, I, I thought it was a bit soft. I thought it was a bit soft, little. I can remember William taking it, but I can't. I, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to my memory what happened. Yeah, it's just a little, little trip. It's like, I just thought it was a little bit harsh. Um, good pen. Um, William is now scored in every single month in the Premier League. The only player to do so. What from January to December? From January to December, every single month of the uh, every wow. single month of the year, he's the only player ever to to do it. That might be a little trivia question for the future. Um, I mean, that's that's a stat that you wouldn't normally have thought would exist because obviously we don't play during the summer. But no, exactly. But now you know. He could. He could. Is there anybody else who could uh, certainly do that as well? I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll have to do a bit of research on that one. I'm not quite sure, but I'll have to have a little. uh, Have a little. That'd be interesting. But But can um, we just say though? Marcus Alonso got roasted by Gary Neville on the comms last night for the winning goal from West Ham, didn't he? He was saying about how he was out, a out of position and b when uh, West Ham broke for the third goal, didn't he was not interested at all in running back trying to help out uh, Rudiger and Rudiger. That was poor defending. Just got no, stood up. No, that's he harsh, mate. It's like Yarmolenko onto his weak foot. He allowed him to come inside, and it was a good finish, but. He could have done a little bit better there for me. It's a great finish. Um, I want to talk about Antonio because Antonio frustrates me a lot. Michael Antonio, uh, Michael Antonio, Michael Antonio, how many of you want to say his name? Okay. But no, say his first name, Michael, Michael. Um, but Antonio, he, he frustrates me a lot because yesterday he was a world beater. And we won't, we don't see these performances often enough. It's performances like this which got him in, uh, a call-up for the England side initially anyway. But why aren't why is he not able to put these type of performances in all the time? Is it because he's getting played out of position a lot, or he hasn't got a set position? Maybe that's why why it's not working for him. Uh, your guess is as good as mine, but that's probably why he's playing for West Ham and not playing for a top six club because he's not able to do it on a consistent basis. Do you think he should have been given a penalty just before he scored the goal to make it two one? Sorry, say that again. Uh, just before he made it two one, like it was in the same move. Do you reckon he should have been given a penalty for that? For that anyway, because I, I thought I thought that was more so than the than the one that Chelsea. Were it was. Yes, I did. Uh, I did think it could have been given as a penalty, but the referee didn't think so. And then obviously he played advantage as well. Um, and yeah, it, it certainly turned out to being the. Uh, 
uh, a good play by the referee there. And Antonio got back himself back up. And again, suspect defending from Chelsea, right? Um, allowing Chelsea, allowing West Ham to recycle the ball and then bringing the cross from uh, the right, right from West Ham's right there left. Uh, and again, none of the defenders sort of current, covering the ball coming across the six-yard box. Um, again, I'll just point out Chelsea in midfield with Kovacevic and uh, Jorginho. Uh, I don't think actually no, Jorginho didn't play last night. Kante was a bit poor last night, but Kovacevic getting overrun. Stop and mugging off! Stop the mugging off Kovacevic, yeah? Because end of the he, day, he no, stop mugging him off. Honestly, no, no. Stop mugging him off. He's a good player. And the thing is, yeah... He doesn't offer anything. Yeah, but wh where was Kante yesterday? Kante is all this world-class player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 but but you mug, you're not mugging Kante off. Hang yeah, on. Yeah, but Kante's shown that he's actually... He's a world-class player. Kovacevic hasn't. Kovacevic is a bloody good midfielder. That's what he is. That's exactly what he is. We had this discussion the other day anyway. Not happy yeah. about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not happy about you, man. Uh, but Antonio, yeah, I thought it was brilliant yesterday. And Yarmolenko's goal, he, he took it really well. Really, really well. Um, let's, um, where are we um, on yesterday's games? Ah, Bournemouth. <laughs> uh, got absolutely slapped apart by, by Newcastle. 4-1, uh, the score was. It was, it was, it was dismal. From from Bournemouth, and this is this from is what after. I understand, I didn't see any of the game. Before I understand, it was Saint Maximan. Uh, it was a Saint Maximan show. It uh, was, yeah. and it is, it is, it is constantly because look, he he won't be there for much longer. He's he's come, over, he's come over Probably to England. Not. He started off well, and now it's like, hold on a minute, you're actually pretty good. And you can because how often do you see a player in their first year come over to the Premier League and just be absolute tosh do, and are not you know able what, to get on with it? Do you know what? It's kind of like maybe because he, he hasn't been quite as uh, productive in terms of goals, but it's very similar to when Dimitri Payet came over and played uh, and signed for West Ham for that one season, and yeah. he was incredible for that one season. Um, and it was like, oh, hang on, are West Ham going to be able to uh, keep a hold of him? And then the, the summer passed. He didn't get a move to a bigger club, I think, because the problem with Pyatt was the fact he was already like late twenties when he came over to West Ham, wouldn't it? Didn't he? And yes. uh, sort of big clubs were like, "Well, we don't really want to spend that much money on him because a of his age and b how much it would cost to get him, and he doesn't really seem like a good value for money." And then he had that really good because he also had that. I think maybe it was a case of he had that year in a prem. Then he had the Euros afterwards where he did all right for France in that. Yes, he did. So, yeah, 2016, wasn't it? Yeah. Stayed at West Ham because uh, no bids came in. And then, obviously, he was, like, sulking because that happened. And then, is it, did he sign for Marseille? He went back to Marseille, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, and we haven't really heard from him since. So Sam Maximam is a player who has the opportunity yeah. to be world-class. Yeah, exactly. Sam Maximam. I'd say he's um, early 20s. Isn't he? We have a butcher's. Alan Sam Maximam is uh, is twenty three years old. There you go. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's got he's got plenty time. Plenty exactly. plenty time. It'll yeah, be exactly. fine, mate. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of him, and it was it was his show yesterday. Um, Dwight Gale bagged. Um, Sean Longstaff uh, scored. Um, Almiron and Lazaro. Lazaro's finish was pretty tidy as well. Um, Al Almiron's finish was quite quite. I, I have seen that yeah. actually because uh, he finished with his right peg, isn't he? I think. Remember, yeah. I, I think 
left-footed. Is he left-footed? He is left-footed, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's hit, he's hit that with his right foot quite nicely, and it's gone into the top bin. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I will say now, we were talking about Bournemouth because this was this was going to be the game if Bournemouth wanted to get Bo- uh, get out. Bournemouth of is screwed. Gets away getting out of trouble. This was the game they had to win because their next four games are. I think they, their next four games are all clubs in the top six, aren't they? Um, let's um, let's have a look at um, Bournemouth's fixtures. I'm pretty uh, certain they've got Wolves, Man United, Chelsea, and is it Spurs? I think potentially, or it might be Leicester. Yeah. So on Saturday, three o'clock, they've got Man United away. Um, then on Thursday they got Spurs at home. Yeah. Then on Sunday the twelfth of July they have Leicester at home. Yeah, uh, they're due to play Man City on the fifteenth, but then that's, um, that'll be yeah. subject to change to the <laughs> FA Cup. Uh, and then they've got Southampton local derby, and then Everton who are showing a little bit of form. So what I love about oh, Eddie Howe, based on based on what's happened the last couple of weeks. Are they going to win another game? Are they? Are they even going to get well, another? This point? is this is the thing. This is the thing. What I love about Eddie Howe is his optimism. Because before the game, he said, "We've got seven games, and we are going to win all seven games." <laughs> okay, it's Eddie. like, look, okay, you know, Eddie. everyone knows that when I do the show, I'll have a little tipple, and that's fine. I'll stick it in my Arsenal mug because I don't want to show any advertising to a particular beer brand. Um, but today is cause, um, but um, <laughs> rather than bud. But you know, I'll have a little tipple, I'll have a little chat, but I don't come out with things like that. That is one bold and two hilarious. What is he thinking? I was, was going to bring the table up. Team confidence, isn't he? He's like, he's like, I believe in you. I believe we can go out and do it, guys. So come on, let's rally around and uh, let's try and do it. But yeah, it's not looking good, especially when they've only won seven games all season and they're going to have yeah. to try and what, win, win, win seven, well, at the time anyway, all remaining seven games. So, yeah, it was... It, it, he's, he's just trying to boost his team. He's trying to find <laughs> he a way... Is, no, yeah, there's ways of boosting your team and there's also ways of just feeding your team with, with crap that you are... You're literally going to be like... Can you imagine sitting in, in, the, in, the, in, in, in the room in the training room and your gaffer turns around and says, we're going to win all these seven games. And obviously you want to be there to boost the confidence, but at the same time, you just use a bit of noggin and be like, hold on a minute. We've got City, we've got Leicester. They might pick up points against Leicester because Leicester is struggling at the moment. But- I mean, the other thing is we don't know what else he's, we don't know what he's saying behind closed doors to them. Uh, he's obviously given sound bites to the press. I mean, some managers, and this is not just in football, but this is in other sports, American sports especially. Some managers and head coaches use the press to send a message to their players. So he might have been thinking that, that because he's tried other ways behind closed doors and it hasn't worked. He's he's just trying to find a way to give his team an edge to try and get them to get that extra 2 or 3% it requires to get a victory in the Premier League. But unfortunately, I just think, yeah, it's just not going to happen for him. Unfortunately, and probably I feel feel for Bournemouth the most because they they had some serious injuries at a time when they were playing against the teams that were in and around them and stuff. The games like, you know, West Ham are lucky. Well, they're not. They're lucky to pick up the result, not in terms of their performance. I think their performance warranted a victory yesterday, you know, because it was like smash and grab. Just take what you can. They didn't. They weren't really under the cost 
too much against Chelsea yesterday. I didn't feel that they that they that they were threatened too much by Chelsea. What it was for what it is for Bournemouth, they have had injury issues, and now that everyone's come back, we're expecting them to just start back hop back on and, and and be okay. But this this fixture list is. It's not easy. The Premier League doesn't put out easy games for anybody. It's the no. most competitive league. But, you know, games like Newcastle, no disrespect to Newcastle, you've got to be out there and got to go out and beat teams like Newcastle. You've got to beat teams like, um, well, all, all the teams that are in the round you. So, like, Watford's and Burnley's. I know Burnley are having a good season. Like, Palace and like the, the Palace game. That was that was giant for them. I know it's their first game back after the break, but you've got to go out and beat Palace. You're not expected to go out and beat Le- Leicester, Spurs, whoever. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think also what you've got to do though, you've got to look at their recruitment, and they've spent some a lot of money on pretty average, maybe poor players as well over the last couple of years, which. Really, it's probably another major reason why they've not done, um, they've not done that well. I mean, they've spent, they spent what thirty million. In fact, they spent forty-five million on three players who, who have done nothing, like Lloyd Kelly, Philip Billing, and Dan Juma. What have they done? They've done nothing for them. I mean, that's mm. forty-five million pounds, which to a club like Bournemouth, is, is a, a lot, lot of money. money. Yeah, is a lot of money, and it. it you look at other clubs who have who who have spent less and they're doing so much better than them. Um, for example, Dominic Solanke last last season they spent twenty million on him, twenty five million on Jefferson. Bad Lover. striker. Twenty million. They got spent Jordan Ibe a couple of years ago. They spent fifteen million on him. That is poor. that's a hundred million pounds on six players that have not performed for them. And they weren't actually that great in the first place either. Yeah, exactly. You know, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't got a steal anywhere. Apart from Billing. You know I like Billing. Billing's boss. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he, I know you've liked him, but he hasn't He hasn't really done anything for him. I mean, their best signing was was David Brooks, right? You know, I love £10 Brooks million pounds well. from Sheffield United. Problem is, he's been injured for all of this season, <laughs> up until obviously coming back. And He um, will be in the Premier League next year, but Bournemouth won't be. Yeah, I, I uh, thought I so, thought they were going to uh, going to survive. There is no chance that Bournemouth are going to be staying up now. They've got to, they've they've got to be going. Um, yeah. right then, poor it's um, poor, bad injury record. Uh, maybe a manager who's struggling to find uh, a way to go. It's just a recipe, and they yeah, unfortunately, yeah, Bournemouth. Yeah, I think they're, they're, I think done. they're done. Right then, it's time for what are Everton. <laughs> Everton wind me up because they... before you go any further that is the first time I've seen the little uh, jingle oh, have you not seen back. it yet oh <laughs> yeah um, so um, what's our Everton is if if you're new to the show um, you will uh, well basically if you're new to the show every week Everton do something which make me question what they are and who they're about. And it hasn't changed this week. They've gone and beaten Leicester. <laughs> so 
third place Leicester, uh, 2-1. Richarlison and Sigurdsson from the spot. And then Ian Acho pulled one back uh, for Leicester. So this question is, what are Everton? What are Everton thinking about doing in the future? Because since lockdown, they've looked all right. And they're on a bit of a they're on a bit of a mission at the moment. The Carlo Ancelotti effect. I don't know. Uh, they've got some decent players. They've spent a lot of money. Um, I I would be cautiously optimistic as an Everton fan. I think I've, I feel like I'm repeating myself with this, but um, with with the summer window, whenever that is going to happen, uh, coming up. Players are going to want to join them. I mean, you see them being linked in the press with players like I know he's, <laughs> I know he's pretty much a grandfather in terms of football players' uh, careers. But Thiago Silva is leaving on a free. Thiago dish. Silva didn't he? Didn't he play in the nineteen sixty two World Cup? <laughs> I think so. Is, is that old man? Honestly, I wouldn't want to get linked with him now. But <laughs> would he ever been linked with Everton if Carlo Ancelotti wasn't the manager? Yes. So, yeah, very true. And also, he's got links with PSG. He's been at PSG before. Exactly. You know, there's players yeah, that would be them. there that he's worked yeah. with. He's, it's, it's a name. Open doors. It was, it's a name. And they've Everton have got some... They've got quite a lot of financial backing as well, as we know, from uh, Moshiri uh, yeah. and uh, Usmanov, the guy who used to be uh, on the Arsenal... Uh, the He's he he he's on our board, but really we don't want him. Don't nobody look at him. Nobody nobody recognise him. When Which he was is on disgusting, our honestly. Um, I, I think yeah, it could have been different yeah. if he was the man in charge. Probably, uh, but um, aside of that, he's now obviously fi- uh, financially back in Everton, and yeah, if they can make some shrewd signings and spend and get a couple of difference makers along with Richarlison, um, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, Andre Gomez is all right. He's a solid player. Probably, if I were Everton, I'd be looking at their back, uh, their defence, and possibly even goalkeeper as areas to uh, improve upon, upgrade. Which is why they're probably getting linked with Thiago Silva. So, um, um, Everton's next yeah. game, they've got they've got Spurs away on Monday. Um, then they've got Southampton That'll at home, Wolves away, um, Villa at home, Sheffield United away, and Bournemouth at home on the last day of the season. I think I think Everton are going to be all right. Everton are currently 11th in the mo- at the moment. They're, they're four points off Arsenal in who are in seventh place, which will be enough for a European spot. Um, and, they're, and that's only a two-point difference. They they could go on a bit of a run and, and, and try and make some dreams work, Everton. It's quite tight in that... that- that's where Arsenal are in seventh to what about 12th, 13th, isn't it? It's only about uh, down to 14th. You got, you got you got Southampton in 14th. Um, they're on 40 points, so there you go. it's there you clear go. that six they're points. safe. That's, six, that's points six points between seventh and 14th, isn't it? Yeah, and then there's and then there's six points between Arsenal in se- in seventh and Wolves in sixth. And mm. then between uh, play this weekend, they are indeed. And then between between Wolves and Leicester, Leicester in third place. They there is only three points between them now. Leicester have had a torrid time. What is going on with Leicester? Why can't they? Why can't they pick up wins? We we said it. We we said it in the last show, didn't we? Um, their game plan is built around Jamie Vardy, um, and when Jamie Vardy's not scoring goals, they they they're struggling. And we also sort of <coughs> hypothesised maybe that 
Brendan Rodgers is a is a great manager when everything is going well and your your game plan is still yet to be found out and you know your players are on form and you're racking up the victories. He's a great manager then, but when it seem when it goes a little bit awry, when there's a little bit of con, um, adversity, is the word I was looking for. He doesn't doesn't appear to, as if he knows how to turn it around. Um, which kind of maybe maybe suggests that he's not as good as what people seem to make him out to be. Yeah, and and their running isn't that great either. They've got a dogged le- um, a, a dogged Palace this weekend. Yeah. They should pick up a win against Palace. Yeah, uh, and then and then they well, they need to if they've got aspirations of Champions League, they have to win that game. They have well, to. Well, they have to they have to win that game and then the weekend after they've got Bournemouth away. The other the other four games are tough for Leicester. They've got Arsenal away in the, in the week. Um, mm-hmm. They have then uh, Sheffield United around the around the fifteenth. That that's to be decided the the kickoff time, but that's Wednesday the fifteenth. Then on the eighteenth of July they've got Spurs away, and then they've got Man United at home on the last day of the season. Now, can you imagine what it, it, the way that Manchester United are playing at the moment? I'm going to come on to Man United in a couple of seconds. The way that Chelsea have been, yes, they lost yesterday, but they're still well within the mix. Wolves, the way that they've been doing it. These these last couple of positions are up for grabs and there's every chance that Leicester could drop out of the top four and the top five. Bearing in mind that fifth place could be a Champions League spot. Yeah, it, they've 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 fallen off a cliff basically, and um, they need to turn it around in a hurry. But they 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 haven't got an easy fixture list at all. Um, so yeah, it's watch this space, watch this space with Leicester. Um, but I've got a feeling that they they're probably going to finish sixth. I don't know. I. I mean, my football. It'd be such a shame for him. Lockdown started has been awful. My record oh, it's been awful. shocking. I think, I think all of ours have. But I did say it was uh, going to be a comfortable win for Arsenal the other day, didn't I? So I think I might be on a. I think I might be on a, on the move. Um, <laughs> we've got we've got to talk about Man United because yeah. we 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 watched that together, didn't we? Via via video link, and yeah. mate, Man United are so nice on the eye at the moment. I. I genuinely love watching Manchester United play football at the moment. They've been absolutely brilliant. And just just the connection between Pogba and and Bruno Fernandes, it is just it's sumptuous, mate. Absolutely sumptuous. It is. Um again, it's they've got their midfield right now with Matic, Pogba and Bruno. That is They've got it sorted. Matic and Pogba playing slightly deeper. Obviously, Matic is your your breaking up play, your big physical presence. I mean, Pogba, he's a cultured midfielder, but he's also quite a big physical presence because of his uh, because because look at the size of him. And then Bruno's your um, what what do you want to call it? He's your he's your attacking output demon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, offers a goal threat, assists. Uh, gets himself in good positions. He'll progress the play. He will speed up the game when it needs to be sped up in that final third. And Pogba is there being able to find him, break the lines with his passing, um, get it out of his feet. He's always looking for Bruno as his first option. It's like, right, can I get him to him straight away? If not, how am I going to be able to get it to him? And because of that, 
because of the speed that they're playing through within their midfield, in their, whereas before they were struggling because they didn't have Bruno, they didn't have Pogba, and because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't really, I don't know if he still knows how to tactically set up his team to be able to uh, unlock their front three, because they, they're, 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 they've got a lot of pace up front, haven't they? They've, Rashford's quick, uh, Martial's quick. They're both pretty strong. Dan James, when he plays, he's quick. Maybe he's not as technically good as them. But yeah, it, I, I think Dan, Dan James needs to beef up a little bit. He's, he's a bit feeble, but he's someone who's great to bring off the bench when you've got 15, 20 minutes left against a tired yeah. fullback. Yeah, and they have to, and, and the other team are having to push. It's kind of like the Theo Walcott uh, yeah. situation there with Dan James. But Mason Greenwood now he's but he's poked, baller mate. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's as quick as the others. But his leaf is finishing his lethal either foot, left foot, right foot. I think um, at the moment, out of all the young strikers coming through at all clubs, Mason Greenwood is the best one out of the lot. Um, and that's it's not it's not that close to be honest with you. Um, but the problem with that before they didn't have Pogba and Bruno and they were struggling to get it to you, those players. So when the ball did get to the strikers, the opposing defence was set. They had you, you had your two banks of four or four and then a five, and it was hard to break through. But now, mm. with the fact that they're able to progress through the lines quickly and efficiently, that teams are now not not organised and you've got a lot of space for them to exploit. And that was perfectly expo- perfectly on show on Tuesday when they beat Brighton. Um, Brighton, they, they were able to get a couple of victories after lockdown. This This defeat won't hurt them, will it? Nah, I think the Brighton are safe. Um, they, they, it was just they came up against a really good uh, United side. Yeah, that's fair I enough. I believe you've got a comment from a United fan, actually. I'm, I'm coming to that. I'm there. I'm there on it already, son. They're already uh, because I was going to ask you uh, initially. What do you think that Manchester United need? What, what do they? What do they need to be to, to be title challengers right now? The, the one I suppose the one thing that they probably need is um, in terms of their attacking outlet when they do actually come up against organized sides um, who are able to match them for uh, pace and power and they've got a good midfield themselves they're going to probably need a player who is able to recycle possession be good one-on-one and uh, is very uh, sort of from a wide position, and that player, is, uh, as as Mark here is alluded to, would be Sancho. Now, um, what I will say to his comment for those who are watching, they can see up on the screen there where he's asking, you know, you know, if when they paid eighty million for Maguire, then surely fifty million for Sancho is not enough. Well, I would say that this is Man United clearly doing a negotiation. That's that's all it is. So don't be surprised if they actually do send up spending more than fifty million on him. And people are going to be like, oh, but you didn't say that you were going to spend more than that. It's all a negotiation tactic. That's what it is. It's a, it's basically saying to Dortmund, this is what we're valuing him at, at the moment. Bear in mind the climate as well, because there's not going to be a lot of money getting thrown around as such, you would have thought. Anyway, we look at we look at <laughs> Sane. Uh, he's, going, he's going to buy Munich for 54 million. Uh, exactly. I, I, and there. Uh, Sane yeah. is one of the world's best young players. So... Exactly, um, and now the fact that Sancho is 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 valued at a hundred million by by Dortmund, and rightly Man so. United, Manchester United will probably look at this and be like, "Hold on a minute, Sane's gone for fifty four million. Uh, where do you rank Sane in comparison to Sancho?" So the negotiation will work there. I think that is they'll look at it and be like, "Hold on a minute, 
as they've gone 54, we don't think there's any more than 50. Dortmund don't have to sell. They're not in any need to sell. However, as soon as people start sniffing, it's that Sancho will probably have his head turned a little bit and be like, right, you know, I'm getting looked at. I want to go on the transfer list. Or we'll get his agent to start having conversations and having a bit of chit-chat here and there. Next thing you know, there's a deal on on, on the table for 60, 65 million, which exactly. I still and think is absolute steal for someone yeah, of Sancho's the, quality. Sancho, that would be, yeah, that would be because he, he certainly Thanks, has potential to, he certainly has potential of top five in the world player, Sancho, for me. Yeah. He's that kind of ability. He, he he will he will continue to grow as a player. Yeah. You know, he could walk into any team right now, in my opinion. There is not yeah. a, there is not a team in in the top five leagues at in that he couldn't walk into any top four of those clubs. Not yeah, one. No, he, he would he, he should and he should be certainly considered as I say, considered as that. I mean he's already he's already one of the he's already one of the best young players in the world. As I say, he's got the potential now to be to go on to being top five in the world uh, and talked in that kind of elite terms. Um, it's just a case of how much are Man United prepared to get him for. And as you say, this is all negotiation tactic. At the end of the day. Yeah, very true. Man United, they're they're looking they're looking good. They're they're unbeaten they're in fifteen oh, I will, games. I will say this: maybe their squad depth is potentially a little bit thin. Because as we saw when they played Norwich, they struggled against Norwich big time when they didn't mm. have proper playing. They, and they brought in Lingard, they brought in Mata, uh, Dan James started. Uh, there and, there and is a little bit of dead wood at Man United that exactly, they need to yeah. remove before so, they can really consider themselves as title challengers. But next year, I honestly believe it, it's going to be so tough, tough to call. Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, Man City... All four of those are going to be challenging next year, and there could be yeah. a wild card in the shape of Wolves. Um, yeah. Monday night's game, we'll talk about that very briefly because it, it didn't really have much substance, in my opinion. Um, and that was uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace, they uh, they lost one nil to Burnley. Ben Mee's header, really nice header. Just put it in an area where where it just couldn't be couldn't be caught by Gaeta, but um, at the same time it was just Pal- Palace are probably a more frustrating side than West Ham to watch, um, and they don't really have much much depth and substance. No, Burnley in, on the other hand, I put, I put Bonley, Bonley. Where's the <laughs> R? <laughs> Bonley. <laughs> oh, that's on that one as well. Oh God. Um, <laughs> in, inconsistency there from Crystal Palace, but Burnley inconsistency have there from Gav Mack as well. There, Christ. <laughs> Let's remove that. There we are. Um, sorry, but, inconsistency from Palace. You say? Yeah, inconsistencies from Palace. Um, but again, with the style that the that Roy Hodgson gets them to play, when there's not a lot of goals involved in them, you, you make the dead games tight. So that is usually more riskier way to play because. As I say, there's one game when your strikers are not quite in form, or you have an injury, and then the other team gets a goal. You're you're gonna you're gonna struggle to win. And Burnley done what they've done all season. They've picked up results here and there with fairly regular, um, uh, fairly regularly should should I say? Mm. And yeah, uh, once they get a lead, they're they're one of the more tougher sides unless you're playing unless they're playing a top six side or a, or. or a, a bigger side um, to break down because Sean Dyche has them well coached, well drilled, um, organised, 
And yeah, they, uh, once that happened, Burnley get their head. And from what I understand, apparently it was quite a bit. It was a deserved win as well for Burnley. It wasn't actually. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It's, it's just hard to watch. It really yeah. was. Yeah. Um, right. Um, if, if you haven't seen already, you've had to follow all our social media links down the bottom there. Um, at to, uh, top football on everything. Um, there's a couple of games that are happening this week. Uh, this this week, I should say, uh, today. Uh, if you're watching it live, and uh, if you're not watching it live, and you're watching it on Friday, then these games were yesterday. So we don't know the score. Um, but um, <laughs> you've got tonight um, Sheffield United versus Tottenham. Um, Sheffield United haven't haven't come out of lockdown in a very good way. We thought they were shooing for Europe, potentially even like trying to sneak a, a fifth place spot, but they're winless since the return. Tottenham, on the other hand, they've been able to pick up a couple of results and you know important draw against Man United as well. Uh, how do you see this one going? Uh, I'm going to say a squeaky one nil Tottenham win. I reckon. I think it's going to be more comfortable. You know, I, I, I think Spurs have played really well off the on the back of uh, on the back of lockdown. I think the, the key for me is in the middle of the park. They going forwards, they really. I think they missed Dembele in the middle of the park. They haven't really got like a defensive midfielder who's able to do the do the dirty work and let the cell so free. And but a, a, a team like. The way Sheffield United have come back, come back, I, I, I do fear for for them tonight because I imagine Spurs will start with with came from the middle, obviously. Um, then uh, Bergwijn one side, Son the other side, um, Deli Ali maybe in behind, um, maybe a Lamella. I think that the quality is just there's going to be too much. For, for 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 Sheffield United tonight, and I, I can see a not a pasting, but it's going to be a comfortable a comfortable Spurs win. I think I reckon um, maybe even three nil. I can't see Spurs um, conceding against uh, against Sheffield United tonight. Um, and um, the other game, we were you know when when the fixtures came out at the beginning of the season, we were looking at this as like a title decider. Obviously, Liverpool have gone on and won the league already, but. I can see. I can't see Man City, you know, falling down here, and I can't say. I can't see Liverpool uh, being nicey nicey. I think that both teams are going to attack this with the same intents as if there was, if if there the title was still on the line. Isn't there going to be a guard? Of, is there going to be a guard of honor for the game? Yeah, before? there's going to be a guard of honor. I mean, if that doesn't spark in City players, um, I don't know what will. So. <laughs> um, I don't know both, about this. But 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 both both teams are score. What kind of teams they're going to play? They're, they're, I, I, that's what I mean. I think they're both going to go out really both. strong. That's what I mean. I, th- I think both teams are going to go out really strong. Um, if they're going to go out really strong, I see. I just see a draw. I see a draw. Yeah. Um. Liverpool. Um. I, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll see a Liverpool win, and that's just because Aguero's missing. I think I don't think I don't think Jesus is is um, is decent enough. I think he's a, I think he's a top striker, but I don't feel like he's a top two. Excuse well, me, club, club top two striker. He's a top six striker. Like someone like him, I reckon I would do well. To the Premier League, I think he could be one of those strikers where, say, he went to La Liga, he would he would kind of like Diego Forlan was, you know, when he went to yeah, La Liga. Yeah, it's not not suited for the Prem. Fun. 
But when he was in the Premier League, he found it tough because of the, the pace and physicality. And people might be thinking, well, hang on, Gabriel Jesus has done all right for City. And he has done. But with the yeah, way but City in, in actual, did well for City. Create, he's not scored enough. No, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's that really. Oh, tonight, um, if you're watching this live, we have got our top fives as usual every every thursday at 5 p.m um we will be talking about our top five lists on transfer flops in world football so it's not just the premier league we're branching out into the world uh for today uh, and then next week on the on the five in midfield it will be top five managers because there's been a uh, and that will be in the Premier League, top five managers in the Premier League. That's already sparked a little bit of debate in our little WhatsApp group. So I think uh, I think it'd be rather interesting to see uh, how that gets panned out. But um, yeah, that's that's that really. As you see uh, on the bottom of the screen, uh, all our social media links: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, even Twitch. But we haven't used Twitch yet, but it's available on Twitch uh, at Two at Top Football and the hashtag. T-U-T-F um, but for myself and, and Alex I think that is all um, see you later on tonight Cheers.